Hey, welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like Capital Ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy, if you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy. You can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me, and I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. All right, so today we are going to, um, I'm going to do some questions like I did last week, um, but I'm going to start with the concept 
of internal focus versus external focus. And um, I was given a training to my leadership team uh, during a meeting. Uh, what was this? Today's Wednesday. So that was yesterday. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, two days ago. And um, I went into our uh, leadership team meeting and I wanted to coach my leadership team at my company on self-confidence and the importance of momentum. So do I have everyone's permission to talk about those two topics for a few minutes here? Unmute and say yes if I do. If not, I can yes. do something else. Yes, yes, yes. 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 Yeah, yes. Yeah, man. Okay. So self-confidence comes from two categories uh, in, you know, you can look up a million and one studies on this. Ultimately, self-confidence comes down to two things. Number one is having a high internal locus of control. And number two is the language pattern or belief system that I can figure it out. Okay, I'm going to say that one more time. The first prong of the two prongs of self-confidence, the first prong Okay, it's an internal locus of control. It's a feeling that I have control over the outcomes of my life. Unmute and say yes if that makes sense. Yes. Yes. Okay, yes. internal yes. locus of control Absolutely. means that when things happen yes. in my life, things happen in my life, I immediately go to what did I do to contribute this, even if it's a car accident and it wasn't my fault. Okay, well, what did I do to end up in this specific piece of the intersection at this specific time of day? What did I do to contribute to this car accident that's not my fault? That's a high internal locus of control. People with a low internal locus of control, they find reasons to blame everyone around them. Now, there's people who articulate it really, really well. Right? There's people who have these very detailed, justified reasons. Oh, well, my market analysis says that the decimal point, but point zero three one is the industry standard on this specific category. And therefore, for that reason, it actually is the customer's fault for XYZ reason because of this statistic. Right? So there's people who justify it logically that it's not their fault. And then most people, they don't go that far. They just kind of play the victim card and most people aren't open about the victim card. Most people aren't conscious about the victim card. Once you become conscious of the victim card, you are able to change the victim card. You're able to eliminate it. You're able to stop the victim card, right? So number one is high internal locus of control. Right, so you have complete control over your outcomes in your life. Right, it's so funny, like people who run businesses, they always say, oh, well, it's my team. My team's not motivated, my team's not motivated. No, you hired them, you managed them, you gave them the vision, you or you didn't give them the vision. Like, no, 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 you create every single thing that exists in your environment if you wanna be a highly confident person and feel you have control over your outcomes. The second category is this, this 
very important concept of I can figure it out. Now, they did all these studies on some of the highest performing entrepreneurs and CEOs in the world, and they ran all these tests, and they ultimately figured out that there was this common language pattern in the most successful people on planet Earth, whether it's an Olympian, whether it's uh, you know someone who's really successful in their family, someone successful in their finance, in business, you name it, there's this common thread, this language pattern. Remember this, language patterns are the evidence of your belief systems. I'll say that again. The language patterns are the evidence of your belief systems. Like I've heard a lot of people say before that they think that this positive thinking stuff is a waste of time. Not most of the people here in Breakfast of Champions, because you're in the right room and you have the right mindset. But most people, 99% of people, they think that positive thinking stuff is a scam. And the reason is because they don't understand the science of a belief shift. You don't, they don't understand that to change your beliefs, all you're literally doing is changing your internal and external language patterns. You shift from how, you know, why I can't do something to how can I do something. Like in the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Robert Kiyosaki breaks this down really well, where he says, you know, the rich person, the poor person, they think about the same stuff. They just, one person puts, I can't before it. I can't afford X. And the other person puts, how can I afford X before it? Can I get an unmute and a yes? Do you understand that language difference? There it is. So that same thing can be applied to every single area of your business, of your life. Like, I can't have 20 people on my team. Someone else is going to go, how can I have 20 people on my team? I can't spend that much on marketing. How can I spend that much on marketing? How would I? Right? Someone else is going to go, I can't start a business. The other person can go, how could I start a business with no money? Someone else is going to go, I can't, you know, go and, you know, if you've never sold something before, you'll say, I can't sell something to someone. I'm scared of selling. I don't want to sell. Selling is slimy. And then the other person can go, how can I sell something to someone and do it ethically and with transparency and not slimy? And, they're, and they'll be the best salesperson in your market. How can I do it with conviction and confidence? See, it's just a different question. So I'm giving you this lead-in for this second prong, which is this belief that I can figure it out. So if you have a high internal locus of control, meaning you feel you control every single outcome in your environment, and that is accompanied by the belief of I can figure it out, you're unstoppable. So I'll give you an example. When you set a goal in your life, do, do good things happen right after you set a goal or usually bad things? What do you think? Sometimes bad things. Sometimes good things, sometimes bad things, right? Oh. It depends. Most bad times, immediately. most things, okay, most times that you set a goal, disruption follows. It's not necessarily a bad thing, but disruption follows. It's the universal principle of the world is disruption follows intention. Soon as you set an intention to go out and do something to benefit your life, the universe, God is going to test you. 
make sure that this is actually a goal and not just a wish. So you say you want to take your life to the next level and you're going to drive to the gym in your first week of trying to get your health in check and the gym's going to be closed or something's going to happen that's going to prevent you from working out that week and it's going to test you. And you're going to go, dang. So disruption follows intention, right? If you expect disruption when you set an intention, are you going to be more or less caught off guard when the disruption hits, if you're expecting it? More or less caught off guard? Less. You're going to expect it. Hey, let's bring in, let's bring in as much disruption as possible because I'm expecting it. I know my competition is not going to go through it. So the most successful people, when disruption hits, they have the language pattern of I can figure it out. So I want everyone to unmute right now and say, I can figure it out. I can figure, I can it, figure out. it out. I can figure 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 it out. Very simple. So you have a high internal locus of control. You believe you can control the outcomes of your life, good or bad. And when disruption hits, you believe you can figure it out. And your language patterns determine your gut reaction, your initial reaction to whether or not you believe you can figure it out. Okay. So if we take this, these two prongs of self-confidence, right? Every single area of your life becomes an opportunity immediately. Okay. You're not working out right now the way you want to. Well, you look at that as, okay, I'm controlling that. There is nothing external that's causing me to not work out except for me. I take extreme ownership over that. I can figure it out. Okay. How can, so now, now your brain starts going, okay, how can I work out? How can I, you know, form the new habit of working out? How can I change my habits so that working out is easier than not working out? Okay. So now you're in solution mode. Such an important shift right there. That same thing can apply to any problem in your business, any problem you're experiencing in your business. You can ask yourself the very simple question. What did I do to create this? Take full ownership. And then how am I going to change it? Which is I can figure it out. Does everyone here understand how you can apply these two things to any area of your life today, right now? Unmute let me know if I'm in the right room. Yes, yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Right place. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Right. In the right room. Yes. yes. I created yes. it. I created it. And how, how are we going to figure this out? So one thing you have to demand from yourself and from those around you, we do this at our company. Don't ever bring a problem to someone. Don't ever bring a problem to yourself. Bring a recommendation. Oh, here's my problem. Here's my problem. Here's my problem. We don't tolerate that at our company. We don't tolerate that in our culture as at, at my business. You're, you're, if, there, if a problem occurs, you're expected to give us recommendations to solve the problem. See, it's very easy to hide from critical thinking. 
it's very easy to not critically think through your problems. Why? Because nobody does it. Nobody critically thinks. We think sitting down and critically thinking is a waste of time. I got to get back to what? Who wants to let me know? I got to get back to work. Yeah, I got to get back to real work. Not this thinking stuff. You kidding me? Right? And you're going to be the only person if you start critically thinking through the problems and potential recommendation solutions in the areas of your life, you'll be the only person in your vicinity doing that because nobody critically thinks. There's, it's, it's actually insane. Criti where does thinking usually happen, by the way? Where, in where, the how shower. <laughs> in the shower, okay. Where, where does 90% of real clear thinking, where, where should it happen? Quiet space. Okay, quiet space. As soon as you wake up. Mm, as soon as you wake up. Reflection. Yep. When you have a problem. When you have a problem, okay. In meditation. Oh, when I, you're looking for solutions. Yep. Hey, <laughs> I agree finding with a solution. In I agree. Go ahead. Prayer. Prayer. So, let, I agree with every single thing you just said. I'm going to add one important element. Take everything you just said and add this one important element and your thinking becomes three times clearer. And it's called a notebook. Oh, <laughs> writing it down, right? Most thinking happens through physically writing down the thoughts that you're having, you know, oh, yeah, writing or typing. That's right. Okay. So writing is thinking. So when I'm saying critical thinking around the areas of your life, I'm saying writing. So yeah, take the quiet place, take the meditative state, take all those things you just said, and now let's just throw a notebook there. And now we actually have a chance to flesh out the thoughts that are going through our head, because if it's in your head, it's dead. As soon as it gets put on paper, you have a chance to strategize. You have a chance to categorize and solve. I'm reading a book from uh, this guy, Andy Grove, who was the founder of Intel, a multi-billionaire at one point was almost, you know, one of the top 10 richest people in the world. And um, he said he would just go around his company just like a billionaire, he would just go around his company for weeks, walk around with a notebook. He would never refer back to the notebook. He just had a notebook with him everywhere he went and he would write down his thoughts as it pertained to the events of his life everywhere he went. And he would usually never refer back to his writing. He would just do it to get clear on his thoughts. Right? So I, I invite everyone to give yourself the ability to clarify your own thinking 
thought leadership is something that's become kind of sensationalized recently with social media and, you know, all these opportunities for people to grow their brand on social media. And everyone throws around this term thought leader. He is, she is, they are a thought leader. But most times people are thought copiers. They're not thought leaders. A thought leader is someone who can take existing thoughts around a subject and give their own interpretation of those existing thoughts around the subject. Did everyone just catch what I said? Yes, give your own thoughts. Okay, a thought leader is, most people call themselves thought leaders, but they're really thought copiers. Okay, the true thought leaders are people who can take an existing concept, set of thoughts, and can give their own interpretation of those thoughts. How frequently are you doing that for yourself? Not only will this make you a thought leader rather than a thought copier, it'll also allow you to solve the problems of your life a lot faster. I remember I did this when I was trying to get into shape and I was overweight. I spent, it's crazy how valuable critical thinking is. It's crazy how valuable. I, when I was trying to get in the shape, I spent like 15 minutes, 15 minutes and wrote out, I, I read, a, I read a little bit on, um, you know, how, how many calories you need to eat to lose weight. Um, you know, what specific workout routines work the best, did some reading, pulled out a calculator, pulled out a notebook, wrote, okay, well, I think I need to eat 2,200 calories a day. And I want 40% of my calories because I'm a guy to be protein. I want to have a high protein diet because I'm doing some weightlifting and blah, 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 blah. I want to have this percent carbs. I want to have this percent here. I went and I said to myself, okay, hmm, this is critical thinking. Hmm, do I want to gamble with eating this breakdown of calories? Does anyone here want to gamble with their health? Do I want to just go through my day and like, okay, I guess if we pass by a fast food joint, since I have nothing prepared, I'll just, uh, I'll just eat there and hope, hope it meets these, uh, calorie things I need to hit. Is that good or bad? Bad. Not good. Okay. So then I went through the next step. Okay, great. I want to get in the shape. I need to eat this many calories. I need to eat this much protein, this much carbs, this much fat, broke it all down. Next step. Very simple. I researched meal prep companies in the Philadelphia area where I live. And I looked around and okay, I found this place and I tried this place and it wasn't that good. And then, I, I, you know, a few weeks later, I researched again, found this other place that's like a local meal prep delivery. And I've been using them for years now. And every meal that I have throughout a five day work week is pre-calculated. Like, and that, all this came from a 20 minute session of critical thinking. 
where now I have meals delivered to my house every single Sunday night for the, for the following week. All my meals are predetermined based on the calorie macros I, I wrote out. And I don't have to think about it. Right? And I automated the stuff that I get from the grocery store so that I don't need to constantly reinvent the wheel every single week. And I, and I put changes in it in variety every now and then. All of that came from one critical thinking session around me being dissatisfied with my health, right? And then going, okay, what do I need to eat in order to get into the shape that I want to get into? How am I going to ensure that I actually eat that? And then what action can I take right now? Right when? Unmute, let me know. When? Now. 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 <clears throat> what action can I take right in this specific moment right now to have full control over my outcomes? Now, what do you think the belief was going into the meal prep? How many of you feel like that is way too regimented? I need variety in my food. Whatever Anyone? works for you. Whatever works for you. That's what you had to do. What's right for you. 100%. So my, my initial thought, I mean, maybe I'm the only one. My initial thought was that that sounds crazy. Like, I'm not going to last with this. Am I the only one that felt that way? No, nope. but if you get the Absolutely. results, it's going to last. If it gets your results that you want for yourself, you're going to yep. keep doing it because it's your thought. It's your solution. And by doing it, it's going to work and you're going to get what you want. Yeah. So why would you give it up? So at the moment I did this, I, you know, I had no reference experience that this is going to work. So my, my initial thought pattern was, okay, well, I, I obviously have control over this because I just ordered all this meal prep. So I got the first prong of the self-confidence thing. The second prong is I can figure it out. My initial thought was, I can't figure this out. I'm going to give up because these, this seems too regimented. But then I immediately ask myself, well, wait a second, what's more important to me? My health, the longevity of my body, how I feel throughout every minute of the day, what's more important, that or, you know, a temporary adjustment in my nutrition habits? See, and in one second, I went into, oh, I can figure it out. Just one little thinking pattern switch. What's more important to me? That's the only question I ask. So I'm sharing this so that you can do the same thing for yourself around the areas of your life that require that level of critical thinking. Like, what is that for you? What's an area of your life right now that you are dissatisfied with, you're going to take complete ownership of, and you're going to change whatever language patterns are going through your head? Who wants to give me some examples? What's an area right now that you can take this two-prong formula and apply? Reading my scrolls. Mmm. Okay. Give me some more. That's good. Going to bed early. Okay. Writing your goals down and being authentic. Yep. Exercising so, more. 100%.
so we went to we went to writing goals we went to exercise right so building my 50 million dollar a year company how much a year 50 million Mm, damn there we go okay so now the question is the next thing that you want to apply to this what can i do right now to change that right now i want to take something as simple like before we go to 50 million dollar company i'll take something the simple example which is i'm going you know i want to go to bed earlier you know what most people do with that thought what do you think most people do with that passing thought in their head nothing go to bed late (laughs) think of all the reasons why they can't do the opposite Yep, they do the opposite. They don't consciously think through, hmm, what could, what what's not working about my current sleep routine? Just 10 minutes of critical thinking. Journal, write, take out a notebook. What's not currently happening with my sleep routine? You know, what what am I doing to cause me going to bed later. Your thoughts. You have to commit to your your thinking. You have to write it down. And then you gotta commit to it, right? Because if you don't commit to it, then how are you gonna do it? Yeah. I mean you literally have to commit. So and and so before we get to commitment, I need to I need us to identify what what am I doing that's causing me to go to bed late, right? So I'll give you an example on this. I had the same exact problem. I was going to bed late. I was waking up super early. I was in a constant sleep deficit and I had to solve this problem. So I started reading on what's called the circadian rhythm, right? So the sleep wake cycle within the human, how, how do you set a consistent sleep wake cycle? So I just read, it's not like 50 days of reading. This is like 10 minutes of reading. Like, how do I go to bed late? Started talking about circadian rhythms. I looked at what are some methods I can do to get into a consistent sleep-wake rhythm. And I found this concept, which is called a blue light. Okay, does anyone here follow me on Instagram and see the light, the blue light that I take a picture of every morning? No, but I know about the blue light. (laughs) Yeah, of course, that's why you can't sleep. (laughs) It's like so so well known. I mean, since the computers, since computer age, people don't, sleep well because of the blue light but blue light is a beautiful gift if used at the same exact minute every single morning because it triggers a a wake cycle and your wake cycle 16 to 18 hours after your wake cycle is typically when a natural sleep cycle kicks in so if every single morning at 5 a.m as an example you have a intense shining of blue light at 5 a.m in the morning after about five to seven days, your sleep cycle starts triggering 16 to 18 hours after that hard application of blue light, right? So, and I'm saying not from a computer screen, a separate blue light device, which I've actually bought, it's called the Philips blue light. And every single morning, I write around 4.45 to 5 a.m. I read a book, I write my goals and gratitude sound, and I have this bright shining blue light that shines on my face for anywhere between 20 to 25 minutes 
And I have gone to sleep at the same exact time practically every night for, I don't even know, probably over two years now since I started doing that. So with a little, again, I'm trying to show everyone with just a little itsy bitsy bit of critical thinking, one change to my habits, that blue light, created the solution of a earlier sleep time. But if we don't take the minute to journal out and research and do a little bit of looking into how are we gonna change our sleep-wake cycle so that we can go to bed earlier, does everyone here understand, yes or no, if we don't do the research, we're more likely, well, let me ask this question differently. If we don't do the research, are we more or less likely to make progress? Less, less, less if you don't do the research. Less likely to do the research. Right? So 10 minutes. This is, it's like the craziest thing. But we may, again, we make the excuse, ah, I'm busy, I got to get back to work. I gotta do blah, 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 blah. This mumbling voice in our head that limits us from making true progress in our lives. Right? And then, hey, hey, Bill, I'm wondering though. If there is not, a, if we cannot identify a purpose behind going to sleep early, is that even going to, is that even going to really be effective? Uh, don't we need to first determine why is it important for me to go to sleep early, um, and then so, yes, and then it will be effective. Yeah, great point. So like, and they they've done studies on this, and obviously humans are much more motivated by pain than they are by pleasure. So it's very fascinating when you look at like people who are past age 55, who all of a sudden start working out over 80% of them, they had a health scare, not some big lofty purpose on how they want to inspire the world and all this stuff. No, no, no. It's, I, I almost died. I had a big scare with my heart. I had a big scare with my cholesterol. I had a big scare with X or a family member died suddenly. And I have pain and now it's easy to work out. So I think a lot of people get purpose wrong because they think it needs to be this big, like positive purpose. But I, most people need to go to the dark place. Like Ed Milet, who I've interviewed three times, he says, like, he always thinks about the day that his daughter is going to get married and who's going to walk his daughter down the aisle. Is it going to be another guy or is it going to be him? because of his heart condition that his doctor said he had when he was in his late forties. Right. So for that point, um, you know, going to bed early, what, like, have you been tired? Like uh, this is what I would ask myself if I was in, in this position is have I been tired for a certain portion of a week? And am I, am I unhappy? Am I sick and tired of being sick and tired? Right. And that's enough motivation. If you have enough of a emotion tied to that, that's enough motivation to get started. Now, habit formation, the why, that, that little snap understanding of a why, that gets you started. A why doesn't keep you started, discipline does. Like, discipline is not a fun subject. Discipline is doing the boring stuff again and again and again and again, even when the results aren't coming again and again and again and again and again. 
even when motivation goes up or down. That part, exactly. And the discipline gives you the reward of a habit. So the awesome thing about habits is habits are mental decision-making heuristics. So a habit is essentially designed for a human being to be able to make a decision without having to make a decision. So it's, it's basically a mental shortcut. So for me, like I haven't missed a week of working out in, I can't even tell you how long it's probably been like two and a half years or so because I, it's literally harder for me to not go to the gym than it is to go to the gym. Cause I, it's just because I've done it so many times. It's not for a why at this point, it's like, I've just literally done it so many times. Like it's just weird at this point. Cause my muscle memory is just, okay, this time I put on my shoes, I put on this, I go to the gym. It's what I do. It's who I am. I would never question it. I would never do anything different, but that comes from the discipline, which is the hardest period. So now let's apply. Bill. Yeah, go ahead. I was going to apply it to uh, Glenn's thing. Go ahead. No, no, go, go do Glenn's thing. I'll pop in after if it works. Let's, let's go now. I think it's a good transition okay. point before I go into uh, the business craziness. Yeah, no worries. I mean, you really made me kind of pop an idea out of my head as you were speaking. I think you talk about these disciplines, and I think it's these incremental changes, right? There's two things that we've been working on heavily at Prime. One was our database. Um, the data just wasn't clean, right? And making sure that everybody was organized properly, stage tag and kind of where they're at in the pipeline is 23,000 people. Well, it starts with 10 people a day. Then as you build that habit, then it's 50 people a day and so on and so forth. The other thing I noticed was my schedule had gotten very dirty, right? Like there was just a lot of stuff in there that was just sucking up my time. And I had to do a time audit for about two weeks <clears throat> to start chopping things out. And I saved easily 10 hours that I reallocated to the YouTube channels that we're building, right? So I think you know, people get really scared that I got to make this big change be 100% better in one day, but it's not that. It's these little incremental changes consistently that grease that groove. So I love your segments, man. I appreciate you. I appreciate that, Justin. I think another good book that encapsulates that is Atomic Habits by James Clear. Um, and when I interviewed James, it was like, it was so crazy to hear it from the horse's mouth in terms of the aggregation of marginal gains, the concept of the British cycling team. Um, the British cycling team was like the worst bicycle team ever in history. They were so bad, bike companies refused to sponsor them because they didn't want their bikes to be represented by such a bad team. And a new coach comes in. They had like all these different coaches switching, switching coaches, switching coaches. And then this one coach comes in and says, we're going to, instead of doing this, you know, huge title shift. We're going to look at all the micro incremental things that we can do to make an excellent world-class bike team. So they look at, you know, the first thing you looked at were the types of pillows <laughs> that the bicycle team was sleeping on to optimize their sleep. Then they looked at, okay, well, what was our tire preparation habits before a race? 
were they rubbing the right type of alcohol onto the tires to give the optimal traction on those tires? The answer was no. And these are tiny shifts. So he goes through this list of like 150 tiny shifts. None of them involved the bicycle team working harder, sweating more. Everyone unmute and say yes if you catch me what I'm saying right now. Yep. Yes, sir. Yes, yes. Totally. Right? None of it was just work harder. It was, no, no, no. Let's look at all the things that are limiting because the bike team's already working hard. Hey, believe me, a team who's last place is working just as hard as a team who's in first place, especially in a professional sports league. Yeah, okay. Well, okay, define working harder. What does that mean that like Tom Brady stays at practice for an extra 45 minutes on average every single day? I mean, you hear stories of this and anomalies like Kobe Bryant, who just are insane. But Michael Jordan didn't didn't do what Kobe did in terms of his work. And Michael's said this in interviews. So it's not about working harder. It's not about working smarter. It's about doing both working hard and working smart simultaneously. And the incremental changes have the biggest impact. So it's a great point you bring up. Okay, so what Glenn brought up was a very complex, so in habit formation, there's simple habits and then there's complex habits. Has anyone ever heard the concept of it takes 21 days to form a habit? Anyone? Yes, sir. Yes. Okay. Does anyone here want to hear me call BS on that? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. So yeah, 21 days to form a habit. What habit? Like, okay, show me the level of habit you can form in 21 days. Can you form the habit of becoming a billionaire in 21 days? Can you form the habit of running a 5,000 person company in 21 days? Can you form the habit of, you know, uh, getting you know, $5 million cash in your bank account in 21 days? No, these are no. absolute, like complex, multi-year disciplines, habits, identity shit. Like, yeah, maybe if you stop biting your nails, yeah, maybe you can do that in 21 days. So it has nothing to do with 21 days. It has to do with the complexity of the habit. And it has to do with your baseline, which is something most people don't look at in habits. If your baseline is you're biting your nails 5,000 times a day and you are like in the work, like you are completely like so far away from never biting your nails again, that's going to be harder than someone who bites their nails three times a day. So what is your baseline determines the level of severity of how long it's going to take for you to form a new habit. So any area of your life, like the more off track you are, the longer it's going to take. The more overweight you are, the harder it's going to be. Yeah, you can form a habit of going to the gym if you're overweight, maybe in 21 days, maybe not if you're completely off track on that. But are you also simultaneously going to form the habit of the nutrition? eating at an entirely different nutrition level, calorie level, 
Are you also going? I don't know. Maybe some people do it. The problem is there's so much sensationalization around success stories that people have gotten this distorted view of what's possible in a short period of time. I would rather you take the David Goggins approach. How many of you know David Goggins? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. David Goggins is like, dude, it's going to be hard. Let's start the hardness now. Like, it's not it's not about this fantasy. It's about, hey, I'm going to I'm going to be okay with the difficulty. I'm okay with however long it takes. I'm okay with the hardest stuff. I'm going to do it regardless, no matter how hard, no matter how fast it is, no matter how slow it happens. I'm doing it. I'm going through the difficulty. This is the hardest thing is delayed gratification. You know, Gary Vee talks about this. I asked him it when I interviewed him uh, a few, uh, two months ago. And he goes, you know, everyone just wants to be famous on social media, right? And he goes, you know, and most people don't do it. Don't get started for that exact reason. Because they have the wrong expectations. They're not married to the game. They're married to the outcome. If you're married to the game, then you'll keep making content online, whether anyone watches it or not. Because you're in love with the process. You're in love with the game. Okay, um, I know I might get some booze here, but you know, Philadelphia Eagles, you know, six and zero right now. Um, you know, and. Jalen Hurts, our quarterback, doing all these interviews. I mean, phenomenal guy. And it's crazy to hear how mature this 24-year-old quarterback is in, in the interviews, the post-game interviews. Jalen Hurts is uh, <laughs> very mature. And people in every single interview, they talk about stuff. like How many of you know Jalen Hurts and uh, the quarterback at the Eagles? You ever hear of him before? Oh, yeah. Okay, so what he's doing is every single time a news reporter brings up the fact that they're 5-0, and 6-0, and blah, 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 he immediately stops the reporter. There's this meme right now that's going viral in Philly about him where he's like, I don't want to hear about the fact that we're 6-0 and because no one wants to talk about last year when we were, you know, 2-4. and four. Right. Everyone wants to talk about, oh, we're six and oh this year. And and he just redirected the reporter and said, you know, all we're thinking about is the next what? Someone unmute, let me know. Game. Next the, next win. Win. Super the next win. win. The next win. The next win. All I'm thinking about is the next win. See, the most successful people in sports. Like, like we want part, we want pats on the back when we have an accomplishment. In sports, you're only as good as your last game. So it's it's literally this feeling of completely letting go when you have a success. Like you completely let go. You divorce yourself from that success so that you can be a blank slate for the next game. Okay. The next thing that Jalen said in the interview after they went six and zero. Oh, 
he goes, he goes, um, this is crazy when he said this, he goes, um, you know, everyone wants to talk about the factor six and oh, um, no one wants to talk about last year. And then he goes, all I'm thinking about right now is all the money we left on the floor, all the money we left on the field. I'm like, dang, you just like, it's just never enough. And what he meant was we had, we had a play on, on fourth down and we screwed up here and we had a fumble here and we had this, but dude, you won the game is what the reporters are saying. He's like, ah, it's not good enough. We want to win. We, we don't want to win the game. We want to win the Super Bowl. And to win the Super Bowl, you got to be flawless. And we, and we're not, and he goes, we're not playing first perfect football. Right. We're not playing perfect football right now. And that makes me happy because it shows that there's room to improve. Okay. Tom Brady, same thing. I, I watched this, uh, this meme thing that came up from the game that they lost last week. Um, and he is screaming at his teammates on the sideline. Did anyone see this on YouTube? Oh yeah. <laughs> screaming like, like, like literally berating his team. Like, are you kidding me? What are you doing? Like Tom Brady, right? And it's because he's never satisfied. He's not satisfied because he's in love with the game. He's married to the game. So my concept for everyone here is like, what are you looking for pats on the back for? And how are you going to eliminate that need for a pat on the back? And how are you going to reattach yourself to the work required to get to where you want to go rather than being obsessed with the outcome? Like, what do you need to put your head down and just keep doing? Someone unmute, let me know. Do you need to keep making videos online? Do you need to keep making phone calls? Like, keep hiring people? I don't know. Like, unmute, let me know. What's something you need to keep doing the boring stuff on repeat? Keep working on my course modules. Being consistent with follow-up. Keep working on the phone calls. Follow-up, follow-up, follow-up the details. Keep listening to Bill Hauser. Start making YouTube and TikTok videos. Practicing my voice. Keep coming in breakfast with champions room. Woo, woo. Let's hear some more. Let's go. Keep chipping Keep away. building relationships. Okay, so everything that you're listing right there, like we're talking about the work. Does everyone understand that? We're talking about the work. See, everyone compliments people's afters, but most times they don't see their befores. Like all of us are in before mode right now in some way. Like we're in the evolution of our full potential right now. Let that sink in. We're in the evolution of our full potential right now. 
That's boring. It's also exciting when the tables turn. And when that work starts materializing. Does everyone understand that weird polarity right there? It's boring until it's not. <laughs> Most definitely. Like I remember I, when I made my first 500 YouTube videos, like nobody watched them. Or my first actually more like 300. Nobody watched them. And still I only have like 6,500 subscribers on YouTube, which is not a lot compared to some other people. I've been making freaking YouTube videos for years now. Like it is insane. And I only have 6,500 followers and yet, or subscribers. And I'm talking to this guy, attorney Tom last week, or maybe it was two weeks ago. He has like half million subscribers on YouTube. And he's like, dude, that's awesome. I was like, what are you talking about? That's not awesome. That sucks. And he was like, no, dude, that's awesome. Like when I was at year three, I think I had less than you or something like that. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, dude, that's the game of YouTube. He's like, you know, you're going to put in three years of work, have almost no return, have almost no subscriber growth. And then eventually the YouTube gods are going to go, okay, I give up. This person's serious. We're going to start making their channel go viral. We're going to start pushing out videos. That's literally what YouTube's algorithm does. It just waits to find out who are the people that can keep doing this boring posting of videos with no one watching them. Because those are the people who are married to the game. Those are going to be the best content creators. Can I get an unmute and a yes? Do you understand what I'm saying right now? Yes. yes. Understand. Totally blown away. Understand. Yep. Understand. Yes. Understand. Bill, I'm so glad to hear it because I was hearing the opposite that with TikTok and YouTube, your first videos have the biggest potential. So I'm very happy that you shared this. Yeah. And that's, you know, obviously TikTok and YouTube, they'll give you a couple initial winners so that you'll taste success, meaning that they'll push out some of your first videos on a new account because they want you to go, oh my God, that one video I did got 100,000 views. Woohoo. And then you're going to have this constant thought constantly. You're going to have this constant thought of what if it happens? Like, what if I get um, another video like that in the future? Does everyone understand what I'm saying? Yes. You're yes. going to have a quick win just yes, so that sir. you can be constantly waiting for that next video to go viral. Someone give me a thought on that real quick. Unmute and give me a thought on... What's resonating for you on that? Consistency is king. The why on videos, Bill. Content is king. I think of the social dilemma and how it doesn't have to be always content driven. It's about people. It has to be people centric content. So you have to promote. 
this is going to sound strange, but it reminded me of a drug where you get that first high and you're always chasing that, the next high. So the algorithm, the algorithm is treating it like, uh, you know, like you're on drugs, like, oh, I got to get that next video. That is exactly what it is. <laughs> that is literally exactly what it is on social media. Right. And you're going to have that one win and then you're going to be like, what the heck? The same thing happens on uh, paid advertising. Uh, you know, everyone knows this. If you've done Google advertising before, they make it so that when you launch a new Google advertising campaign, you land a client like immediately. They do the same thing on Facebook ads. When you launch a Facebook ads campaign. Most times you're going to land a client immediately. Perfect client. And you're like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, this works. And then what's going to happen? You're going to get no clients for like, for like two months, <laughs> but you're going to have in the back of your mind the whole time, but it worked that one time, right? That's why I always say disruption follows intention, right? And that applies to advertising online. That applies to content creation online. That applies to starting a business. I can't tell you the number of stories that I've learned and heard of from people who say they want to grow their business. And as soon as they say that someone quits like the next day, the next hour. Right. So it's such an important concept for all of us to be attached to the most boring, repetitive activities that are going to eventually get us that outcome that we want. And that's, that's why I want us all to come back to that original comment and viewpoint that I'm talking about earlier about self-confidence. The one prong being you have an internal locus of control. You feel you have control over your actions. And number two is that you believe you can figure it out. So if you have those two beliefs, then you can literally control your actions, do the boring stuff, and then you're going to have a belief behind all those boring actions that something's going to come of this one day. Something's going to pop. Something's going to provide a return. Okay, so let's spend a, the last kind of four or five minutes here sharing some thoughts, questions, points. Um, go ahead, unmute. Give me your thoughts on what we did today. Bill, I just had to say really quick, like when you brought up that um, pro team and the fact that they worked hard, I think people forget if you're a pro at anything, you're in the top 5% of people who can do that action, period. So they are working hard and a lot of people don't get it's those small things that you need to actually, you know, do. You would be bored if you saw what the practices were like for any pro in any sport every single day, the meetings and all of it. So it's it doesn't have to be sexy or glamorous, but you do have to have that consistency and right steps. So thanks for this conversation. Shantae with the flair. Woo. Love that. Let's go to the next person. Thank you. Hey, Bill, this is Bella. I just want to say thank you. For me, I'm coming from a different perspective. Absolutely, you're my answer prayer. I wrote a lot of comments. I won't take up your time. This stage is sacred, and I do mean that, but I want to say this to you. For Bella, you just dismissed everything because we have a tendency, a high propensity, I'm speaking for myself, Bill, to make all these excuses, right? Well, you've dispelled every single one of me, so I got to show up. 
It's about doing the hard work and showing up. I thank you, Bill. I'm continuing to follow you and Glenn. It means everything to me. You've changed my entire world and I do mean that. It's Bella, I'm out. Thank you very much, sir. Good morning, um, Bill. This is Tina Marie. I just have to concur with what Bella just said. Um, thank you so much. You demystified, debunked, eradicated every excuse that I have from this day forward and Glenn and everyone in this room who spoke and shared. It's about consistency, hard work, dedication, and commitment. Those are my and purposeful intention. Thank you so much. Hey, Bill, this is Regina. I never speak, but Bill, I have to say, consistency, I am training for a marathon as we speak. Doing the hard work every morning, almost two hours of running a day. I am tired, but I'm dedicated doing the David Goggins. And thank you for what you said today. You hit the nail, the, Nail on the head. Thank you. Hey, Bill. Love it, man. Um, love listening to you as always, brother. Consistency is key. It's time on task over time. It's uh, got to make that commitment long term. And I hate to say it, but most people will do something a month, maybe a couple months, most. They don't get the result and they give up. And and you just nailed it, brother. It's it's long term, time on task over time, consistency, showing up when it sucks, showing up when you're not getting results. You just keep showing up. It, it takes a minute, but you keep showing up, you're gonna get there. Woo! Well, I appreciate that, everyone. Um, I'm gonna sign off here in a minute. Um, so I hope uh, everyone had similar takeaways to what everyone just shared. The the whole concept that I'm trying to hit on here is that the outcome will come. And your discipline should not be dependent on the outcome coming soon, late, later than you expected, earlier than you expected. Your work is an independent variable of the outcome. And that's all I wanted to share today and you have control over your actions and you have control over the language patterns that go through your head around those actions. So if you're not following me on Instagram, uh, give me a click, follow me on Instagram, subscribe to our YouTube channel, SMB Team, Small Medium Business Team, SMB Team on YouTube. So open up the YouTube app when you get a chance and give us a subscribe so that you can uh, follow along the entrepreneurial journey. Um, and, uh, that's it. And then download that uh, tools bundle, which uh, I'll have next week for you. So stay great, everyone. And